Hi, thanks for tuning into the Frontline series of WeShare podcasts, brought to you by WeShare Healthcare. WeShare Healthcare is a newly formed collaborative of not-for-profit NHS medical professionals with the aim of sharing innovation and best practice. My name is Ryan. I'm a final year medical student at Oxford University with an interest in how we can use innovation and tech to identify and overcome problems in healthcare. It's amazing to be joined today by Louise Rose, who is a professor of critical care nursing at the Florence Nightingale Faculty of Nursing, Midwifery and Palliative Care at King's College in London. Louise is also co-founder of Lifelines, which is a secure virtual visiting solution enabling families to connect with their loved ones who are being treated in intensive care units in hospital during the COVID-19 pandemic. Thanks so much for taking the time out of your day to discuss your journey with Lifeline so far, Louise. I'm really excited to hear more about it. You're very welcome. Um, for those who may not be familiar with the amazing things that Lifelines are up to on the COVID front line, it'd be great to get an overview from you, firstly about you and your team, but also about Lifelines and how it's helping people. So what was the unsolved problem that you had identified while responding to the growing number of coronavirus patients coming into ICU? And what was the solution that you came up to address that gap? Absolutely. So the problem that um, uh, Joel and myself identified separately and came together very rapidly was um, the obvious psychological impact, obvious to us, that the restrictions on family visitings would have, particularly in intensive care, where obviously family members are going through extremely stressful times on a normal um, ICU admission and the thought of being prevented from even being able to see or speak with their, their loved one in intensive care for the entirety of an intensive care admission, which may also end in death, was the, the impetus behind lifelines. And so at the at mid-March, when, when the COVID surge was coming towards London, you know, I was reading uh, stories of the Italian families, particularly that were being published with exactly this issue and really wanting to that not to happen in the UK and thinking about a solution for that. Um, and that solution became the touchway platform that I had familiarity with with my research work in Canada. It's a Canadian company. And so I had a bit of an idea about how we could create a virtual visiting solution. At the same time, Joel Meyer, who is a consultant at St. Thomas's, he had been tasked with finding a solution for virtual family visiting with the advent of the fifth ventilated COVID patient being admitted to the ICU and the surge happening there. So through um, a, a mutual colleague, we, we came together very quickly and started working on the solution that we enabled. So Lifelines um, is basically a, a virtual visiting solution that is hosted by a, an e-platform called a touchaway. Um, that is normally used for patients living at home managing chronic disease as a way to create a circle of care that includes the clinical team and enables them to self-manage disease. We flipped the platform totally around and made the patient the actual the intensive care unit and created a, a dashboard-like um, app so that ICU teams could very, very quickly and easy make contact with families and make a virtual connection. So obviously the work that we did to establish this um, was a little bit more challenging than the, the easiness that I, I suggested. Yeah, I'd be interested to hear how easy it was to adapt the a touch away service to ICU. What do you find to be the most challenging part of the process? 
So um, we were very lucky in that the CEO of the company who I had worked with, as I said, in Canada was very committed um, with his company to provide solutions during COVID. And so the, that evening that I reached out to Joel and said, I think I've got an idea. And he said, yep, let's talk about it. That evening we had, we had a meeting with um, Michelle, who is the CEO of the company, and he said he would be prepared to help. So it took his company um, and his programmers a little bit of work to reprogram the app a little bit. And then one of the bigger challenges was then trying to work out whether we could use this app on the hospital Wi-Fi system. And that became more of a challenge than we anticipated and why when we partnered with BT and with Google, who then were able to provide us with 4G-enabled tablets, we could work away from the Wi-Fi system, um, which made it a lot easier to, to establish our, our virtual visiting solution. Thanks very much. That's really interesting. And I'm sure that as a team, you must be immensely proud that Lifelines really represents healthcare worker-led change and is a shining example of what can be achieved through uh, multidisciplinary partnership with involving clinicians, academics, companies, charities. Um, and I'll, I'll come back to, as you know, mentioned BT and Google there, so I'll swing back to that in a second. But how can we, in your, in your mind, how can we encourage healthcare innovation to be as multidisciplinary as possible? Uh, so by multidisciplinary, do you mean interprofessional? <laughs> yeah, interprofessional, but also between nurses, clinicians, you know, how can we, how can we encourage it? I think, well, I think, I think intensive care does tend to be uh, an interprofessional, which is, you know, the North American term, which is actually, I think, more correct as we're talking about different professions. Um, I think the ICU is, it is an interprofessional environment. And I think that we have to be very mindful that all our professions bring important aspects from their professions and from their learning. I've done a lot of research work recently in terms of establishing patient communication in critical ill and, you know, the speech language pathologists, therapists have an amazing depth of knowledge that, that is very important. So, you know, how do you do it? Um, I think you have to be open and, and collaborative in your approach to everything and realizing like anything in this world that there are a range of perspectives that need considering and that can offer you solutions um, to be able to move forward with them. Okay, that's really interesting, thank you. Um, and how keen were the big corporations like BT and Google, um, you mentioned before, how keen were they to get involved in the project? Did you reach out to them? Did they approach you? How did it work? Has it been easy to collaborate with them? Um, and how open were they to maintaining this sort of health worker-led change has been so critical during COVID? Absolutely. I mean, they have been fantastic. You couldn't ask for a, a better, better support solution. So initially, when uh, as we were rapidly working out that our that our virtual visiting solution was going to work and it was better than trying to use WhatsApp or Skype or or Zoom, we uh, well particularly Joel because he's a little bit more connected in the UK. I've only moved here since last year. Was reaching out to you know people we went to school with, colleagues or whomever to say, does anybody know? anybody in the big tech companies we need help and we we managed to to get in contact with bt and a couple of the others and so forth we actually had a lot of contact from a lot of people and we also at the same time um were adopted within the king's health partner group as well and we had their fundraisers 
sort of talking to us to offering offering help how could they how could they get us a whole bunch of money and get us tablets to be able to move forward so we um, connected with BT um, and with Google um, they came along together because our tablets are um, managed by mobile Iona, a, a an MDM which enabled which the BT and Google team put on our devices so that they can be remote managed and so forth. So they came together very, very quickly. We had a phone call with them on, on, a, on the Thursday. We had a meeting with a whole bunch of people um, on the Friday. And then by the following week, we had this amazing partnership with BT actually um, gifted us our first 50 tablets that arrived at, at St. Thomas's and then we then uh, were able to partner with our first major funding partners, which was um, the Gatsby and True Colours Trust that enabled us to then go from, you know, a relatively uh, local initiative to a more widespread, you know, we've spread out across London and then we spread out across the rest of the country. You know, I, I personally, I had the delivery of, the first 100 tablets after the 50 that went to St. Thomas's to my house and actually delivered them myself to, to different intensive care units around London. But the partnership um, with BT and Google has just been phenomenal. They bent over backwards to make this happen. They developed a whole hot staging process that gives us a, an end-to-end -end solution so that the tablets are... You know, they're out of their box, they've got their, their SIM card in, they're fully activated, they're all programmed, ready to go. Every tablet has the same PIN number so that they're very, very easy for the, the clinical teams to use. So they've just been fabulous. Yeah, and you mentioned King's Health Partners. I noticed there's a list on the website of all the trusts that have been supplied with the tablets in order to use lifelines in the wards. And I must say, it's truly astonishing. I remember, I think there was about 140 individual hospitals. Yeah, um, I think we're about 160, 70 now. Yeah, yeah that's really incredible. Out, yeah, and that was enabled by by the King's Health Partners team. So you know, pretty much Joel and myself were drowning, and suddenly <laughs> we're just bombarded with emails and all the stuff that's going on, and trying to organise deliveries. You know, while still having normal jobs, and um, and so King's Health Partners came along and. Um, offered us a, you know, a program manager and, and a project officer and support to be able to, to, to launch on a, on a bigger basis. And, and also with, you know, with comms and all that sort of thing that there's a whole machine behind it to yeah, enable it have to happen. Yeah. Yeah. How did you find juggling the sort of lifeline stuff with your clinical duties? How was that? Well, my, my main responsibilities is research. So I'm a full-time research professor. So that all pretty much sort of went away. Okay. <laughs> and, we're, you know, we were working 16 hours getting getting a day, getting getting lifelines launched. You know, we were having, you know, starting with text messaging at 5 o'clock in the morning and <laughs> finishing at midnight and, you know, trying to get everything. That was it was it was phenomenal so it was it was a lot of work but we had a lot of people help and really really give us you know a, a, the extra mile that people went to was quite amazing yeah well it really shows but for those for those hospitals and trusts that haven't been able to adopt the service how can they adapt um how they operate and provide care in order to implement lifelines as optimally as possible so that some some hospitals have, even though we've reached out to them and, and offered them tablets, some have declined. 
Um, some have had other solutions already um, and others have, you know, there have been situations where um, the information governance, um, information security officers may have not been as, as comfortable with the receipt of tablets. So obviously, you know, our tablets are a gift, so there is no procurement issues. You know, actually convincing some people that they've been given tablets was quite difficult. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, what do you mean you're just giving them to us? Um, so <laughs> it's been quite interesting. And, and then, you know, there's the whole issue is they, they are enabled with data. They are enabled with the license for the, for the program. But, you know, it's going to end. We've got a 12-month contract. Um, you know, we can't supply it forever. Um, so there are, there are different situations. And then obviously... You know, with any form of new technology or new solution, some it does help if there is somebody to champion and, and adopt it within the organisation that it's going to. So during during the peak COVID surge, particularly, you know, many intensive cares or hospitals developed communication teams with people that weren't necessarily working in the ICU previously that would take responsibility to initiate calls and so forth, even if they would be not even with our tablets, just telephone calls. You know, within, within St Thomas's, we had uh, a family communication team that comprised um, yeah. F1s, so junior doctors, but, but basically got qualified all of a sudden um, and then came to us and, and very much got thrown in the deep end of intensive care but were initiating um, the virtual visiting calls. So it does require local championing as well to, um, to establish it, but we're doing some follow-up evaluation work now and I've been doing some interviews with clinical staff and the one thing that they all say is, it is so easy to use, which is why we love it. Um, so once people get used to it and get more familiar with it and set it up, it's it's been easy for them to, to take forward. Yeah, and, you know, looking forward, where do you see Lifelines going in the future? Do you have any plans for Lifelines in the sort of post-COVID era? I know that's a sort of <laughs> non-statement because PPE and social distancing is going to be with us for a while. Um, but, but where do you see it going? Absolutely. It's difficult to, to ascertain when we will be in a post-COVID era. But... Um, you know, we um, already understand and have known for a long time that enabling virtual visiting in intensive care has been needed for, for decades. There are many, many times where family are located overseas or can't come to the unit for various reasons, having to go to work, caregiving, all that sort of thing, or being even themselves too frail to come. So having the option of a virtual visiting solution as mainstream visiting for intensive care is one of our goals um, so that it's not removed as soon as you know we revert to whatever normal um, it will be so so there is that as well in terms of the longer term solution um, embedding it within normal uh, clinical practice also outside of the intensive care as well we've had our tablets used for palliative care and, and various other um, parts of the hospital but we're also moving to working on, because our platform, as I said, it's actually a very adaptable platform that does a lot more than establish a virtual video connection. We're actually working with the program now to build an ICU recovery platform um, 
can use the app to transition with the patient as they recover from ICU out onto the hospital wards and then to home with a recovery pathway and plan um, on a tablet that they can then continue to access them, their family as emotional support, but also have this, this, this recovery pathway embedded. They can use the tablet for other types of rehabilitation activities. So that's our, our next working plan. We do have a, a strategy meeting with, um, with BT and our funders and so forth this Friday to, to think about that as well a little bit more. That's really interesting. I love how it's, you know, it just maintains the patient at the centre because I think a lot of these solutions often lose sight of that. Um, and at the end of the day, it's all about the patient, their families and their care. Um, mm -hmm. And final question for me, what advice do you have for fellow innovators, either in industry um, or on the front line coming out as clinicians or um, allied health professionals about coming up with ideas and building something into a product or a service that can actually help patients and or, or their families? Yeah, I, I mean, I think it's challenging and we very much were, you know, making use of the, the workarounds that the pandemic enabled us. You know, we worked around the whole procurement thing and we worked around, you know, various other IT aspects and so forth. And I think it, it is it is challenging because now seeing, seeing you know, the some of the bureaucracy layers come back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a little bit like, oh, my goodness. But I think... I think if you've got, a, as, a, as a clinician or, or an academic, if you've got ideas in terms of innovation, it probably it's best to go and talk to, if you can get the ear, talk to some of the senior people about whether this would fly. You know, digital innovation is, um, you know, it's challenging because of the concern with, with security and so forth. And I know there's, there's lots and lots of digital innovation going on. But if you don't understand the information governance and security issues, it won't go anywhere. You know, it's it won't get adopted by by the hospital or the trust or the the NHS. So I think it, learning learning about what those potential barriers might be to begin with. Um, you know, I had another colleague show me this this wonderful app design. And then I, as soon as I said, but have you talked to information governance about whether they would let you use this. They were like, oh no. I'm like, well, I actually don't think they would. <laughs> and this is beautiful and it's fantastic, but if they're not going to let you use it, then it's, you know, it, there's no, no point in proceeding. So I do, I do think that would be a, a piece of advice is try and understand, you know, who you would need approvals from to be able to move your innovation forward. I think it's important. Yeah, that was a really good nugget and realistic piece of advice. So thanks, Louise. It's been truly inspiring to hear about your journey and your plans for the future. Um, so thanks again for agreeing to chat and take the time out of your day to discuss Lifelines with us. Good luck with everything. And I'm really looking Thank forward you. to see where it goes in the future. Thank you very much. If you want to hear more about Lifelines and their work on the COVID frontline from another member of their team, Dr. Joel Meyer, be sure to head to our YouTube channel, We Share Healthcare, and watch our first Unlocking the NHS Summit. Thanks for tuning in and see you soon for the next We Share podcast. WeShare.healthcare. Share big, share quick, share now.